let's open our Bibles uh, to the book of Acts and the sixth chapter. And as we were uh, sharing in class this morning with uh, <clears throat> Brother David about uh, the New Testament and uh, the struggles of the early church, the growing pains of the early church, we see here in the sixth chapter a very important uh, turning point in the life of the church. <clears throat> How many of you really want to follow and serve the Lord? How many of you know that it's in our relationships, in the church, the body of Christ, where that really needs to happen? It's not that we individually in our own way go find our own thing to do for God. It's God's called us to be a people. And that takes some responsibility. It takes some relationship. It takes some humility. It takes a servant's heart that we might serve each other. And we see the church uh, tested very significantly here in this sixth chapter as the church was forming in a way that enabled it to greatly multiply as God helped people to step up and take responsibility for servanthood. Chapter 6, verse 1, In those days... When the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Verse 5. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas, And Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Important event in the life of the church. I've uh, decided to, to call this message this morning, The Magnificent Seven. And why? Because there were seven magnificent servants that stepped up and said, I will take responsibility. I will serve tables. I will do what I can to help the body of Christ here so that the apostles can give themselves more fully to prayer and the word. Now, I used the word magnificent seven also because that was one of my favorite movies growing up. How about you? Yul Brenner, Steve McQueen, I forget who else, there were seven of them, and they were cowboys who were called on for a special task to help uh, liberate a little town in Mexico from some bandits, and I remember a boy admiring those cowboys and what a superb, excellent job they did, and I've always thought about, you know, When leadership steps forth at the hour of need, 
especially when it comes to the kingdom of God and the advancement of his work. It's a very special thing. How many of you know that God is raising up magnificent servants today? He really is. And you know what? We have more than seven of them right here in this church. But the seven were significant then. These early disciples, these leaders, there were the twelve, the apostles, and the seven who were these servants. who were come, they, they were come to be known as deacons, which simply means servant. And so the seven became important and special. And it was amazing that they started out just to serve tables, but they went much farther than that. You know what happened to Stephen, right? Stephen began prophesying. God began doing miracles through him. He got arrested. He got stoned. He preached to the Sanhedrin and all the people that were gathered around. He had an impact on Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul. As he was being stoned, he looked up and saw Jesus at the right hand of God. And uh, we realized that, you know, God took this young man from the midst of this fellowship who was virtuous. No one knew much about him at all. And then suddenly he's pushed into a position of responsibility and God does great thing through, through his life. Philip is also mentioned. And later on in the book of Acts, how he goes and God sends him to preach the gospel to an Ethiopian eunuch. And right there on the spot in the Ethiopian's chariot, he receives Christ and is baptized because Philip was ready to go. And so we realize that to be a servant was just the stepping stone to the greatness that God had for each of you. How many of you know that it's still the case? Servanthood is the stepping stone to the greater things of influence and service and leadership for the Lord. Because the servant of the Lord, as the scripture says, must first be Smart. No. Must first be talented. No. The, the servant of the Lord must first be faithful. And everything follows after that. And if you're going to serve the Lord, you know, you got to be ready to serve his people. Amen. You know, over the years, it's been my job to help train uh, ministry leaders in Bible college and seminary. And that's part of the work I do for the Foursquare denomination. And I'm amazed over and over again how many of our ministers that are seeking ministry want to go from the pew to the pulpit without any training or experience in between. How many of you know that it's a long journey to become a man or woman of God fruitful in season? You know, uh, Robert Flores is talking about uh, college training and how it contributes Life Pacific Bible College to the training of ministry leaders. But he says, you know, he said, uh, when is the best time to plant an oak tree? 25 years ago. When's the second best time to plant an oak tree? Today. <laughs> That's all you've got. Today. You wish you could have planted it 25 years ago. Because it takes time to grow and be strong. And that's the way it is to become a servant of the Lord. It's the tree that's well planted. Psalm says by the river of, of water that grows and bears fruit in season. And that season has to do with a lot of serving. 
a lot of sacrifice, a lot of testing, a lot of obedience. But what God wants is a willing heart to say yes. And you know what? It's exciting. It's fun. It's a great journey. I was uh, remembering this morning about one of the early experiences our young family had in ministry as God called us to serve him in this little church that was nothing but a shack on the outskirts of town, handful of people, and God says that's where we were supposed to serve him. And Ginger and I thought, felt like we should apologize to our kids that they couldn't be in a more exciting and more... Now, the kids loved it right away and pitched in and began to do all the jobs of you know, pulling weeds and cleaning the place up and taking care of the kids and all that stuff. But it was about... It was a testing time for our family to be servants. And I remember a particular test that I almost didn't pass. And let me tell you what it was. There on the outskirts of the, t- of the town, we had a problem with skunks. And uh, the, you know, the smell of the skunks would come and go. It would be there a week or two, and then it would be gone, and then we would know that the skunk moved on. Probably didn't want to, to he didn't think that shack was that exciting uh, either. But eventually... There was a bad odor from a skunk that lingered and it was getting worse and worse and we called the exterminators and we asked people in the church to help and uh, we couldn't get rid of that smell. And there was a particular Sunday when I was preaching and it got so bad I realized that people were weeping not because (laughs) of the moving of the Holy Spirit and I knew we had to do something. And so Monday morning... Get this, okay, I put on a jacket and some rain pants and my old motorcycle helmet with a, you know, with a a face mask on it. And I got my son's pellet gun. Now, what was that for? Personal protection, right? (laughs) And a flashlight. And I crawl under the church building myself trying to find where the skunk might be. And let me tell you, it was scary. (laughs) And I inched and inched and inched through that dirt and inched and inched. And eventually I saw in the light of the flashlight this very brilliant black and white looked like a tail. It was a skunk. And I inched closer and it didn't move. And I inched closer and it didn't move. And I realized that there was a skunk that had died there right at the wall of the foundation of the building. And so I got out and I got a trash bag and I worked my way back there and uh, had gloves on by this time. And I began to remove the skunk piece by piece from where he was wedged between the foundation and the dirt. (laughs) It was such an unpleasant experience for a guy like me. And, uh, you know, the Lord taught me a lesson through that. And I want all of you to know this, that, you know, if there if there's a real skunk in the church, sometimes it takes the pastor to get rid of it. That, I thought that was going to be funnier than it was. But anyway, when I got back and told Ginger and the kids, they just go. Ugh. But you know what? I think about that experience in that event and. That season in our lives and the testing and the... You know what? There's a lot that has to do with ministry that's not very spiritual. You hear what I'm saying? We want everything to be so 
spiritual. And it's good that we set that as a priority. But there are material factors. There are material needs. There are issues that, I mean, we're talking about taking care of the building, providing people with material needs. We're talking about physical responsibilities that are so important to the success of the church. And that's what's happening here. It's the material issues that began to crowd in on the spiritual issues and something had to be done. Now what was going on here? The apostles were trying to do everything themselves, trying to take care of all of the needs and they were neglecting prayer and the ministry of the word. And so they realized something has to change. There has to be a greater sense of responsibility in terms of the members of the body of Christ. Now, I want you to see three things here. First of all, as this begins, there's a problem. What's the problem? Well, the church is growing and increasing. As David was talking about growing pains this morning as we're studying Acts in the New Testament. The the growing pains of the church. There's a problem. We know that 3,000 souls came to Christ after Pentecost and the Lord was adding to the church daily and the responsibilities were increasing. And so they stopped and said, you know, we need some help. We've got to do something here to take care of the needs of these people. And so there was the problem of the multiplication of the church, which was a good thing, but required additional responsibilities. You know, as our church has been growing this last year and we've seen new classes and we're we're crowded for space and like Wednesday night, it seems like, you know, just about every classroom back there is filled. New things are happening. We're saying, where are we going to get more space? Where are we going to get more teachers? Where are we going to get more food? You know, this is a good problem to have. Don't you agree? But it's still a problem. And we need to handle this right, rightly. And so the multiplication of the church was part of the problem. Second problem was the murmuring that was taking place as people became uncomfortable. People became critical. People gossiped. People wanted their own way. People were not getting along as they should. And you know, if, if Satan can't destroy the church from outside through persecution then the next best thing is to release one good gossip who will try to destroy the church from the inside with the best of intentions. You know, it's an interesting thing about gossip. The gossiper never doubts their intentions. It's always, you know, there's a a good intention involved or so the gossiper thinks. But the murmuring that can take place within the church becomes a very destructive force. And here we see it, that there was murmuring because there were two groups of Christians. There were those of a Grecian background and those of a Hebraic background. And they weren't getting along because the Grecian widows were not adequately being taken care of in terms of the food distribution. And that tells us some important things about the church. And that is, the church was taking care of needy people. Now that's important to consider, isn't it? And I wonder how many churches are committed to taking care of needy people. You know, one of the things I greatly admired about Mabel Dawes' ministry here was she always had compassion for needy people. 
She was feeding the hungry. She was concerned about the clothing banks. She wanted to make sure that there was provision, material care for people in need. The Four Square Movement was founded by a person, Amy Simple McPherson, who always had an ample uh, cupboard of supply for people needy. She fed people during the Depression. And I've seen some of the figures of the amount of, of food and service that was given in those early days. And it is amazing. It, the church needs to be about taking care of people who are in need. And how many of you know that in these difficult financial times, the church needs to step up and be more helpful? People out of work. People in financial, people losing their homes. The church needs to step up and be more responsible. And, but the, the problem of the multiplication and the murmuring of the people, realize that this led to some, really cha- some real challenges in the ministry. Part of the problem was just figuring out how to minister to these people well. And it wasn't just by preaching and by teaching that all of this could get done. But it was, it was about organizing the resources. And having people who were willing to serve. And take responsibility. And that's how the church was able to advance from this point. So listen. The work that it takes to help the church minister to the needs of people. As the church continues to multiply and develop. Is a great responsibility. You know, Pastor Phil and I have said many times how grateful we are for the, the, the many capable leaders in this church, Faith Chapel, small church, but so many faithful leaders who are willing to do so much. A night in Bethlehem. How many of you remember a night in Bethlehem from last year? Wasn't that fun? Wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't that a whole lot of work? I mean, to put up the tents and to, to set up the booths and to... Make the food and put together the music and the costume. All that stuff takes so much work. There are material things that have to be done. And I said, Becky, that was wonderful. If we have the resources, let's do it again and do it even better. And she's the one who came up with the vision for that and led all the work. And she wanted to do, do it even more this year than last year. We need to step in and support a night in Bethlehem, even more this year. Are you with me? What an outreach to the community. We had people in the community who responded and said, you know, I've lived in this neighborhood for years and I've never seen anything like this at Faith Chapel. I'm so glad that I could have been a part of it. Well, it's, it's good. <clears throat> well, the problem, and it's a good problem to have because it has to do with multiplication and growth. There was a proposal which the apostles came up with as God gave them wisdom, which was pretty simple. What was the proposal? Well, look at verse 5. This proposal was that they would choose individuals from among the people, and the people would participate in this choice, who would be able to serve the tables, and more in support of the ministry as it was developing. Isn't it something that, that the need was for people who would wait on tables? 
the qualifications were that they be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Does that tell you that leadership in the church at all levels is important? Does that tell you that even the humblest servant that steps out to do something from God needs to realize that that task is spiritual, full of the Holy Spirit and with wisdom? That's why I don't agree with that kind of thinking that you know, only those who preach or teach the word or lead worship need to really meet spiritual qualities. Listen, we all need to reach for the Lord in terms of helping us to grow and be more responsible and more mature in everything. Hear this. Everything that we do for the Lord is holy and sacred and important. You know, I remember in this church when I was a kid and vacation Bible school, my mother used to teach in VBS and I would stay afterwards and help her with her class. And I'll never forget when Mrs. Brannon handed me the dust mop and said, would you please uh, sweep the, the, the rooms? And there I was, probably nine or ten years old with that dust mop. And you know what? I thought I was a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. I thought that was such an important inspection. That was sacred. That was holy. It was a dust mop. Now, I don't think any of my friends really saw it that way. They thought it was kind of funny that Danny got stuck with the broom. But in my heart, I knew that something special happened. And let me tell you, you know what? As I did that unto the Lord in faith, God blessed me. God strengthened my faith. God was doing something in my heart to prepare me for the ministry. I felt like Samuel in the temple in this church as a child. And you know what? Before God, I was. Because I was listening for His voice. And I share that to say that each of us, in whatever capacity, whatever responsibility we have, we need to realize that if it's for the Lord, it's holy. It's sacred. It's an offering that we give to God. And we in our own minds like to prioritize this is important and this is not so important. This is spiritual and this is material. Listen, if it's for God, it's spiritual. If you're spiritual and you do the task with the right heart, whatever it is, it's spiritual. This last Wednesday night, I stepped into this, uh, what used to be called the young people's room. The sign's not on the door anymore, but I walked... And here are all these young girls and these women sewing. And it's part of this new program. It's like a, a, a Christian Girl Scout type program, 4-H kind of type. They're doing lots of things. Keepers of the faith, it's called. And these girls are learning basic home skills from women who care. How many of you know that's a valuable ministry? And you know what? There was something holy, something sacred about what I saw in that room as these girls were trying to learn to sew. And the conversation was fun and silly and just what you'd expect in a room full of girls and moms. And that's good too. That's all part of the ministry that God has for us. So, listen, as we read about these deacons, we must not simply think that that's what happened in the early church. And isn't that great that they appointed these deacons to serve? We need to realize this is about Faith Chapel. 
This is about each of us stepping up and taking responsibility for all the tasks and responsibilities of the people. And it's, uh, this proposal is based on the priority, hear this, of the ministry of the word. Because the apostles, the apostles were needing to pray and study and feed the flock. And they were being overwhelmed with the physical needs of the body. And so, as this was done, the ministry of the word was able to flourish. Isn't that exciting? And it was a priority. This proposal was based on the priority of the people who had needs. These widows who were important. These widows who need to be cared for. There needed to be some sense of, of, of justice. Uh, some sense of uh, order in the way they were being served. And so as these men stepped up. God certainly blessed them. And we see men here. But we know that women also served such an important part in the early church. In terms of being servant leaders. You look at the book of Acts. And the, the number of women who stepped up in, 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 in every way. Every office of service served. And so this was the proposal. And it was a good proposal. And that leads us to the third part that I want us to see, and that is the provision. The provision. What was the provision? <laughs> the Magnificent Seven. They're in this process of trying to figure out how to minister, and God tells them to seek out people that could serve, and then these seven individuals appear, and they're magnificent. And God begins to use them in a very special way. You know what excites me about this? Before they stepped out and were willing to serve, they were only speculating about their potential in terms of serving God. Just like we do. Have you realized by now that it takes the step of obedience before we really meet God? And God energizes us, anoints us, enables us to do the thing that he's calling us to. And guess what? There are people who would be called if they were willing to be called, but in their own minds, they rationalize. They have enough excuses to keep them from taking that step of obedience. So they never break through in terms of really finding their place, really experiencing what it's like to be used by God. And let me just say this kindly, but I need to say it. Some of us are waiting for some great, dramatic, spectacular call that's going to turn us into celebrities. And that's not the way it works. It always works with a servant's heart and a humble step to do whatever God calls you to do. Now listen, God may want to turn you into a celebrity in terms of your popularity. I'm all for it, but I want you to get there the right way, okay? Through being a servant, through being faithful, through being obedient, for caring about what it is that God puts in your hand to do. And so, this is the provision. Leadership. Leadership. 
The apostles can do even more than they were doing in praying and ministering the word and leading. And these leaders are serving in such a way that others are motivated and the church continues to multiply and to grow. And so the provision is in verse 7. The word spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of even the priests became obedient to the faith. Hallelujah, that's the provision that came through obedience. Now, don't overlook something that important that happened in verse 6 as the apostles called these forth that were really chosen from among the believers And you know what the scripture says that they prayed over them and they laid hands on them. And the laying on of hands was part of the the, the great tradition of the Hebrews, God's children in terms of the anointing of God that was needed. Now think about this. They were being anointed to serve tables. How many of you suspect that the apostles knew that God had a greater calling on these But that was the important step. They had to wait on the tables before they could prophesy and do miracles in the streets. The the apostles did what they did in faith and guiding the selection and anointing them, laying hands on them and praying for them. And God, God began to to use them mightily. And so we see this uh, provision, this provision for the body of Christ. Now, let me get real practical here. We just have a, a few minutes remaining. Listen, people ask me about the future of Faith Chapel. and What is it that God wants us to do? And You know, God wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be obedient. He wants us to take responsibility like these servants did. He wants all of us to step up and do what we can as God gives us grace to do that. You know, the plan for the future of the church isn't so much about setting goals, though I believe in goals, about developing strategies as it is a strategy of the heart which says yes to God. I'll do what God wants me to do. I had an interesting talk with uh, Roy Winger, and he said, you know, he said, we used to in missions put so much emphasis on goals and strategy. And he says, the more, the more I experience, the more I know it's, it's a heart for God. And it's people who are ready to be obedient because God has plans and strategies so far beyond our comprehension. We just have to go in faith and give our gift and Share his word and be ready to to find someone who needs Christ and be a witness. And I think that's what God wants for Faith Chapel and every church. And I'm thinking, here we are in these difficult times for America, financially, politically, all this upheaval, all these challenges. And you know what? We as Christians need to get more excited because guess what? In difficult times, the church always flourishes because we're not dependent on this world system. 
We have invested in the kingdom of God for all eternity. And the kingdom of God has a way of flourishing when the the institutions and systems of man are falling apart. We should be excited about these times. How many of you really believe that all of these things are happening in preparation for Christ's return? Well, then let's be happy about that. Let's not worry about our retirement account. That's harder. That's easier to say than it is to do, right? But let's look beyond our retirement account and say, hey, you know what? That may have been a good plan for my retirement, but I know God is my source. God is going to take care of me. And I'm going to put my focus on his kingdom, not on my kingdom. He can take care of me. How many of you know God can take a better care of you than you can take care of yourself? Then let me just say, I rebuke you for worrying over yourself. Did you receive that? Stop worrying. For, trust. God knows how to take care of you. Let's get about his business. He's taking care of his children in every generation. And I believe this generation is special. There's a future before us beyond anything that any of us can imagine. And let's get our eyes on the Lord. Let's stop worrying about stuff and press forward to be obedient and fruitful during these challenging times. Well, let me summarize all this and then we're done. Hallelujah. Guess what? The church, God's plan, is still in the world. We're part of it. And we're in our own special journey of faith as a people. And God looks upon us and He sees the growth and the progress and the fruitfulness. And He's saying, you have no idea what I have planned for you. No idea what I've prepared you for. The impact that I want you to have in the community and in the world, if you'll trust me. He's saying, I want to make you magnificent in terms of my kingdom purpose. Just like these first seven. You know, I've seen some magnificence in this church. I have to say that. Some of you have stepped up with such faith and compassion and generosity. And I think, This is really what the kingdom is about. This is really what the future of the church is about. And so let's say, God, help us to be faithful. Help us to be obedient. And let me encourage you. You know, if you really, really know that God has called you to be part of this church, that this is your church family, step in and get involved and take responsibility and you'll grow. If this isn't where God wants you to serve Him, then find the church where you can grow and serve. But don't waste time. Don't waste your time. Don't waste God's precious time in just lingering and waiting. Say, Lord, here am I, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. Whatever you want me to do. And so, as a church, we need to pray. We look at all that God has done in the great history of this church that goes back, what he wants to do for the future. And we are the people that in the here and now have the responsibility of stewardship. And how many of you want to be a servant of the Lord, be faithful, be obedient, and grow? Let's pray. Lord, help us this morning. Lord, I cannot...
Lord, I'm, I've just run out of words. I don't know what to say. But Lord, it is so exciting to consider the potential revealed here in the New Testament church, O oh God. And the same potential revealed here in this church community in terms of those who would step up and take responsibility. Help us, O God, to see the importance of the work that you've called us to do. That it's all spiritual. It's all sacred. It's all important. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.